Welcome to Creativity, the podcast where art and engineering collide. My name is Jeremy S. Cook. I'm your host for this show, and we've got a special guest today, Stan, the CMO at Surrogate TV. Can you say hi, Stan? Hi, everyone. Pleasure to be here on the podcast. Thank yeah. you for inviting Jeremy. Yeah, well, we're, uh, we're so happy to have you. And um, I guess surrogate.tv, you know, the way I understand it is it's basically a website that you log on to and you, you play video games. But these just aren't any video games. I mean, you're not actually, actually playing on the screen. You're playing real life things. Is, is, that, is that a correct assessment, Stan? That is a very good explanation, Jeremy, indeed. So what we do at Surrogate Games is we try to experiment with a new, uh, I guess, new type of online video games where everything happens in real life. Instead of trying to mimic uh, the environment using graphics, we're actually mimicking everything in real life and letting people explore real physics, uh, real interaction, uh, real graphics as they are in real life. <laughs> Okay, so so what? Uh, I mean, what's an example of that? What was your first, I guess, interaction or game or whatever you would you would say? So what what do you call it? Do you call these games? I guess or yeah, we call them we we call them so, so some of us call them surrogate experiences. So that's the kind of surrogate gaming is kind of the concept that we're calling because you're kind of a surrogate as you're interacting in another part of the world as a robot. So you're kind of using it as a surrogate. Sure. Uh, but yeah, we, we call them real life games. That's another way to kind of say that, uh, to kind of explain that. But yeah, the first game we launched publicly uh, was actually nearly a year ago, a bit more than a year. We just had a party like a couple of weeks ago about it. And it was called Race Real Cars 143. So this is a game where you actually drive real miniature 143 scale RC cars over the internet here in our office in Espo, Finland, over the internet. It's a top down game. So you see the whole map. Like in some old video games, maybe you would say you would see the same type of experience, but you are driving actual real cars on a racetrack. And that was kind of our first game where we would let people control real life. Uh, the interesting part about it was uh, quite often people would not even realize that it was a. It, we designed it kind of so well that people would not realize that it was a video, uh, that it was a real a real life car that they were driving. They were thinking it's a video game. And then they would say, the, the graphics seem odd. What is the game engine you're using? Or how are you making it? And we're like, no, dude, we're, this is a real car you're controlling. Like, no way. And then, you know, people get mind blown because it's such a unusual concept, especially if you're driving it from like North America and you're like, I'm driving a real car in Europe over the ocean in near real time. So that's like a very interesting experience especially when you do it for the first time oh yeah i mean that's uh, yeah it's, it's mind-blowing i mean it's you know certainly I, I would imagine other people i mean i've seen seems like i've seen somebody um a video where you could control like a cat feeder cat food feeder over the internet you know it's stuff like that but this is i mean that game was literally you were driving cars around it would recharge itself right i and it yeah was, so, every, everything everything was automated supposedly yeah right so the way we kind of aimed our projects is that they will always run 24-7, or at least that's our always vision or our main goal is to make design a game in a way that it could self-operate for as long as possible without any human interaction. So the game, uh, in, in RC, what we did is we had image recognition that is able to recognize the cars and also drive them around the track, so the racetrack, to kind of restart the game. Uh, we also have charging stations which we made. They're custom-made charging stations that when a car basically parks on the bottom, there are two uh, two plates that connect to the car, and they basically start charging the car. That's that's really incredible. So, 
what but what we real but yeah but there's like a, a bit it's a bit of an interesting thing when you work with real life with, with real hardware right you you might see that some things might break once in a while so that's kind of something that was a learning experience for us when building real life games that when you make a video game everything just you know works perfectly when you're doing real robots you have to prepare and do a lot of testing so oh i'm sure so so i mean but that was just the start right you guys have how many games do you guys have now uh, so right now we have three main games, uh, like we, we which we launched last year, uh, and those were the race reel cars. Uh, then there was a Batman 66 pinball machine, which we hooked online, and it's been running. It's probably the busiest machine in the world. Uh, we had more than 70,000 games already, I believe, in less than a year. Wow. And then we also have Sumo Bots, which is our more like major game that we launched. It's it's in collabora collaboration with the. Uh, huge esports brands so it's a battle royale style game where you fight real sumo bots on a battle royale arena so each of the pieces goes down and it's kind of like fortnite or PUBG, but in real life and then you represent an esports team as each of the bots represents one of those when you play the game uh, so those are the three main games uh, this year we also had some events for example we had a toilet paper claw arcade a claw machine where you could where we were giving out 1,000 toilet paper rolls to people all over the world when there was a shortage. Uh, slide disclaimer, no, we didn't actually hoard 1,000 toilet paper rolls, uh, but we were shipping them online. But uh, yeah, we had a fun event like that. And then also when we had May the 4th, uh, the Star Wars Day, we also had a claw machine there where we had a 72-hour tournament. And then last, last week, we had a little exploratory mission, which is a new experiment we're running. And that is where we take a robot outside on the streets of our city and we try to go to different locations without anybody like, you know, managing the robot, all using the same uh, software suite that we de developed called Surreal RTG. Okay. So, yeah, but we have a lot more stuff coming. Um, unfortunately, I cannot tell everything, but let's just say uh, throughout this whole year, learning about the games, we've been slowly getting. Uh, closer and closer to kind of opening our software to also other people to use this ultra low latency video streaming and remote controls tools. And we're kind of building a platform around that, so to say. Yeah, I mean, it, it like especially when we see toys and robotics, we often see that they, especially like the entry ones, we often see that they are not designed for maybe long-term applications or for using it in a long time. And of course, like, in an application like ours, those things come to a test. Uh, same goes like when we had with pinball machines, even with pinball machines, because we our users put it under such stress tests. You can see that even though uh, pinball manufacturers do their best to do a lot of quality insurance and testing, the issues we incur we, we see when a ma when a maintenance person comes to check what has broken, they're like, I have never seen this anywhere else except on online machines. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess I guess that's true. I mean, in an arcade, you've got a a pinball machine that's, you know, it's not being used all the time, certainly not 24 hours, but then in your application, you've got it running and running and running and running. I mean, I, I guess, uh, well, what has the reception been like? Have people been pretty much playing this all the time? Yeah, so unless the machine is offline, because we sometimes have to fix them or maintain them, uh, they are, they're in most time always full. So somebody is always playing everything. Uh, with the sumo bots, it's always busy. We have queues. Uh, same with the, the racing game, it's quite busy. And on pinball, I think the biggest queue though we had was on the toilet paper claw. I think we had at the same time like 300 people in queue. So people would wait for hours, literally for like four or five hours to try and win their toilet paper. Wow. Well, that's 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 interesting.
it's a weird, weird, weird feeling, you know, but it's very interesting how like this surrogate experiences connect the world, especially during such uncertain times as now where you kind of cannot go out easily or you cannot, you know, meet your friends in real life. So this is sure. kind of an alternative way to do that. So, so how, how do you, I mean, I guess, so I guess only some of these games are available at certain times that they kind of rotate. Is that, that the idea? Um, yeah. So the pinball games run, uh, 24 seven, as long as they are working. And then the other two, the racing and the robot fighting, they run on the weekends. So the racing works only on Fridays, but sumo bots runs, uh, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So. Uh, we usually have somebody to hosting the game. So it's either I'm on a live stream, like in the studio, or we have somebody like our moderators in US or in Europe just checking up on the game in case something goes really bad, just just in case these are real robots and they're moving electronics. So oh, nothing yeah, goes bad. Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of, it's pretty cool. Like with the sumo bots, uh, we have like one of, two of our moderators are in US and they, they just start a game, the robots self-reset to their starting points, the game just begins, and the game runs for like four or five hours straight, and then they just turn it off. And they just they just managed it from another part of the world, uh, and they were like real robots fi like moving around and doing stuff throughout the whole time, and actually trying to destroy each other, so. <laughs> so so are they, um, are the hosts, are they commentators? Are they, you know, kind of like a sports commentator, or are they just kind of supervising? So when we, so on Friday, we have a tournament where we actually comment and we have prizes and, uh, and giveaways. And then on the other days, uh, some of the moderators do live commentary and other times they just turn on the game and make sure that everything runs smoothly. Like say one of the bots will start misbehaving, they can turn it off and uh, the game will continue with only five out of six bots, but nobody will have a bad robot kind of in the game. Or they will remotely connect to one of the bots if it's having issues and move it around or kind of unstuck it sort of right okay that makes sense so how does how does one how does one play these games what do you what do you do uh you can just go to our website it's uh, surrogate.tv and you can see the variety of games there uh, all of them are free to play and you can just log in and make as long as the game is online you can play it and yeah that's it it's as easy as that oh that, that sounds sounds awesome i mean so I, I guess that being said what's uh i guess what's the business model with you guys like what's what's the I guess we kind of touched on this a little bit, but what's your eventual goal with this? So right now, uh, we are all our games are for free as we are trying to inspire people to see the potential of this technology and what can actually people do. Uh, but of course, long term, we are going to offer uh, uh, other game creators, potentially, if people create their own games on our website, they are able to choose if they would like to potentially charge for the experience that they're making for people. Or not it's it's up to them okay in interesting so basically you guys are putting together a platform that eventually people will be able to use to do whatever they they want as far as yes. they have, if, they if you have, have a robot game or a, if you what? have a robot a drone a car whatever that a person from the other part of the world can somehow interact dynamically with or interact with the world with you can just easily connect it to our platform and either make it as a fun experience for everybody or it can also be a potential business where you can actually make money on that okay well that that's interesting so you're you're i guess the heart of your technology is the the people interacting with each other not so much the the games are cool certainly but it's, it's the it's underlying architecture that you guys think is is kind of your yeah exactly i mean i, I, I mean that, but... 
it, it comes for everything. We, we, we do believe that what will pave the way for this future of this surrog uh, surrogate experiences, we do think that firstly it will be entertainment and games just because it's way easier to grasp and also develop. But also, of course, there are other applications. So yeah, the, the way we're building the platform right now is of course mainly focusing on the entertainment aspect. So you can do whatever you could imagine with this tech. And uh, kind of what we call it is the SOAR RTG, which is the main suite that works with our website. And you can install it on a Raspi or uh, on a Raspi or on a computer. And you can get instantly the ultra low latency video streaming, which is like under 200 milliseconds, even on a 4G network, which is kind of impressive. And then at the same time, you also have easy way to control all types of ro 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 robotics like uh, motors, uh, actuators, uh, switch, uh, switches, etc. Hmm. Oh, so that's, hmm, that's very, very interesting. Um, well, yeah, tell you what, I mean, we were maybe going to try to get into some of the uh, nuts and bolts of how your system works in the second half of this. So if you want, let's go ahead and take a coffee break and we can kind of come back after that and talk about some of the, you know, how stuff works under the hood. Does that sound, sound good? Sure. Sounds like a plan. Let's do that. Hi, Jeremy Cook here, and since we're having our coffee break, I'm going to give a shout out to our top five Patreons as we do every show. If you want to become a Patreon or a top five Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash the creativity podcast. And if you're one of our top five uh, donors, as we when we record it, we'll give you a shout out too. That can be a company or, or anything really. So it's uh, Brian Moses, Pat Regan, Positive Waves, Old School DIY, that's at GFC62, and Stephen Booker. Thanks uh, thanks so much for watching, watching and listening. If you want to support the show further, like as an advertisement, get in touch. It's hi at jeremyscook.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll get you back to your show. All right. Well, uh, welcome back. We just had our uh, coffee break, and uh, I just found out that Stan doesn't really drink coffee. Actually, I don't either. We just I just kind of say that because it sounds... Sounds good, I think. But um, yeah, we had a couple couple of questions from listeners. Uh, I guess we kind of kind of um, answered this, but Alex from South Carolina asks, "Are you guys really based in Finland, or where are you guys exactly?" Yeah, so we are a Finnish company. Uh, so we're based in Espo, Finland, which is a city right in the capital area. And then we have, uh, but our CEO Shane Allen, he's from uh, he's from Florida. So he's American, but he is like Finnish American. So he moved here a couple of maybe 10 years ago. Oh, okay. So, well, yeah, but yeah, I'm actually yeah. in Florida myself. So, you know, I'm... oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. I, for some reason, I thought you were from California, but that was my should well, have checked. You know, we both claim to be the sunshine state, and I live in the Bay Area, which is Tampa Bay Area. So, but yeah, kind of to summarize your question, indeed, we we are based in Finland. We're a pretty international team. We have people from U.S., from uh, parts of all parts of Europe, from Russia, and of course, a lot of Finnish developers as well. Oh. So we're currently a team of, I believe, eighteen people. Okay. So, yeah. Well, very, very, very neat. Um, Okay, so uh, so Pat Pat Regan, who's a Patreon of the show and uh, you know friend of the show, I suppose, he says this looks like some fascinating stuff, and I, I'd agree with that. I've only looked at the pinball machine so far. I'm curious how he hooks the the Pi into the controls. Is he using some sort of servo to hit the buttons, or is he tapping into the wiring and using relay or transistor to trigger the press? 
I, I think you've actually got a pretty good answer for that, Stan. Is that well? There's actually it's it's a good uh, uh, area of thought because that's kind of where we started as well. Because initially we were we we didn't open the pinball machine and we were thinking, yeah, maybe we should use some actuators to actually press the buttons. And we actually had a prototype of that. And also we had a uh, kind of it's not a linear motor, but it's like a we were trying to figure out how to do the plunger. So we were thinking of like kind of uh, like a, like a kind of getting solenoid? it back. Yeah, like a solenoid to kind of shoot it. But then as we started looking into the pinball machine, we realized that, hey, why would we do that? There's so much easier way where you can just connect into existing connections of wires. So initially in the first uh, version of the Batman 66 pinball machine, we were using a relay because that's kind of the easy way. It's, a, it's uh, ex uh, available on the market easily and you can hook it to your Raspi without having to do much. So it, when we launched the game, we were using the relay. So it was just sending the uh, five volt signals to the existing buttons. Uh, but then later we were this year hooking up a new pinball machine called American Pin uh, it's Oktoberfest by American Pinball. And there we saw an issue that not all of the connection, not we couldn't, there wasn't a button to set, to push a ball out to kind of start the game. So we kind of had to connect to the existing uh, coil of the pinball machine, which meant that we had to send a lot of current uh, in a short period of time. And for that, we actually developed our own hat uh, for a Raspberry Pi 4. Uh, it's custom designed uh, PCB assembled uh, partially by us, partially by a manufacturer in China. Uh, we had to fix some things. It's still in prototyping. Uh, but yeah, so we had to uh, develop our own board, uh, uh, our own uh, shield for the Raspberry Pi. Uh, specifically, the, the main kind of requirement was to be able to send a 48 volt signal uh, to the coil that shoots the ball, ball out of the game. So kind of when you press a space button on your keyboard and you shoot the game, we actually send a very high current. And of course, it's not really possible initially from a Raspberry Pi, so we had to do a small modification. And then we have a bunch of, trans uh, we, we send transistor signals, so basic five volt outputs to the buttons. So for like start button or the uh, shooting, or, or sorry, flipper buttons. So we use uh, five volt for that. And then we also have a service credit button to kind of start a game for every person when a game starts. And then we also have a bunch of, uh, we have out, uh, we have inputs. So we listen to when the game has ended. So we use the LED of a pinball machine, which, which is on the start button kind of it's, we found that there's a pattern that, that it starts, it, it starts blinking. So we use that. And then for knowing when there's a ball inside of a shooting, shooting lane. So we kind of designed a custom PCB that you can basically use in most of arcade applications like pinball, claw machines, whatever type of arcades you could potentially imagine, and it probably will work. And then we came up with this uh, smart solution for cabling where, because pinball machines are pretty expensive. I don't know if you know, but uh, for example, our like a new machine costs from probably eight to $12,000 at least. And this I, I is a, no. yeah, we were, we, we didn't know initially as well. We were like, what? <laughs> but uh, you, you don't want to damage the machine that much, or you don't want to like solder or desolder any cables. So we came up with this, well, we didn't come up ourselves. It's an existing solution on the market, but it's basically like a clipper where you have a cable coming from a Raspberry Pi from this side. And then here you just wire it to an existing cable and you kind of clip it in. So then you're able to output uh, electricity, not just from the pinball machine itself, but also from the Raspberry Pi and send it to whatever uh, command you have or whatever solenoid you have. That's really cool. And and you don't, you don't quite know what that's called, do you? I, I wonder if... Um... Um, I wish I could. I could have known. Um, no, I don't, by, I don't either. 3M. 
wonder that, one that's of, I, I wonder if one of our uh, listeners or uh, viewers would uh, like to comment. Let me show it on camera. If somebody is watching, maybe you can guess. But here's how it looks. And then you have one cable you hook into from your Raspi and the other one to an existing cable. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, when Stan was first describing this to me, I was thinking he meant like a, a Wago connector, like one of these uh, lever nuts, which I just happen to have here, which are pretty cool too. But it's not, not even the same thing. It, literally, you just put it around the cable, snap it down, and, and like a like a, a razor almost, like a piece of metal yeah, comes down. It partially, it, it partially cuts the outer uh, the, the outer plastic, I guess, or what it, the, the tube. So then it kind of gets to the metal, and then it just connects the signal that way because it, both of the cables have the same metal clipped inside of the cable. So it's not capacitive. It's literally literally touching the metal to the metal. Is that yes. Okay. Yeah, it's just touching metal to metal. Huh. Well, that's uh, that's really neat. I hope hope it, somebody it, figures out what that is. It's convenient for hacking. Sorry, guys. I wish I would have known what what exactly is the name, but I will tweet it when you publish the. I will comment under the when you publish the podcast. Oh so well, then, well, thanks, thanks so much. How about I, that? I feel like I should know that too. I you know, <laughs> I feel pretty up on this kind of thing usually, but um, there's so many things in the makerspace to many, remember. Many things to remember. I I feel like. You know, I keep learning and learning and learning. It's like at some point I feel like I'll be, I'll know everything. But it's like, like every You cannot know everything. Only know, Google can know everything, right? I, just, I feel like I know less and less as I learn more. It's uh, it's very strange. Yeah. So what, um, so I, got, I guess the other thing, what kind of camera setups do you guys have? It must be pretty, pretty exotic, I guess. Uh, we've been testing everything because uh, fundamentally what comes to us, uh, which is very important, is, of course, latency. Uh, and But we also try to look at quality quite a lot. So, of course, uh, the best is to you, you kind of have to have a compromise where you have a nice looking image when a player is playing the game, but you also kind of have a really good latency. And that is kind of one example why we cannot use a fancy DSLR camera on our game because there's so much post-processing then you have to have a capture card to convert it and then since you're not getting a raw you have to do a lot of fancy stuff to kind of get it to the end user which kind of increases the latency quite a lot the more the more kind of factors you have in between the 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 worse it is especially if you have an extra capture card for example in between so then it kind of moves to we can use a raspberry pi camera a raspberry pi hd camera or we can use a usb camera like a uvc compliant webcam and that's kind of the places where we mainly look into so of course when we made our first prototype it was a no-brainer uh, it was still a couple of years ago there was no the no hd camera the high q camera uh, high quality camera so we used the raspi camera version 2 i believe Right. And that was pretty good uh, for the time. But as we were looking more and more into it, we realized that many web cameras have a better quality, at least in the beginning, if you just don't do too much uh, customizations or like trying to affect the controls too much, especially for video. So we kind of found that there's a couple of nice camera web cameras out there. Uh, we mainly use uh, Logitech cameras, Logitech web cameras. Surprisingly, what's amazing about them is the color reproduction compared to other other cameras on the market. So when you when you have an item and you position a camera in front of it, of course you will need to adjust like the contrast and everything. But uh, the color reproduction is always way more accurate than what we see on other web web cameras, so to say. So that's kind of so where guess, we are. I guess it's a good question for people that are 
maybe not looking to do exactly what you do, but something similar. What, what webcam would you recommend? What's, what's your, after all this research, and even if you're, you know, like me doing a, a podcast, whatever, what would you recommend as the best webcam to get? So far, the golden standard in our ex experience is the Logitech C925E. Uh, the reason we use that one specifically is also because of its angle, because it has a wider angle field compared to other Logitech cameras. So then you, in a game, you can kind of see more, uh, which is usually very important. Right. So that is kind of the best one. It has best latency, image quality, and everything kind of what we found. Unfortunately, right now, because of the current situation in the world, cameras became very expensive, but more importantly, very hard to get. So even if you have the bucks, it might be just sold out in many places. So oh, okay. in our case, we, we had to order a couple of those, maybe 20 of those not so long ago, and we had to order them directly from the supplier in China because you couldn't find them anywhere in Europe. They're just sold out because everybody is zooming right now. So everybody <laughs> needs a webcam. So, so, so that would be what, what you're saying is that you're the reason you're the reason for the shortage. No, 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 not me. But we we didn't we didn't buy anything when it when it all started. So we also had to we kind of had to find it in a manufacturer kind of supplier from China straight away. So yeah, we didn't do anything bad. Uh, but one one kind of uh, thing that was a bit unexpected because when the Raspi HQ camera came out, we I think the moment they announced it in two days, we already had them testing because we were so excited about them. Oh yeah, but I, I'm, I got one of those. Those are those are fabulous. I I think. Or maybe, well, maybe I don't, don't know. Think so I don't know. At least in our experience, we like the image quality after testing a lot and messing with all the settings, we somehow were not achieving like a vibrant picture. So of course, of course, the camera is great for latency, but. We, at least in our use case so far, hopefully they'll have new software updates or something because the sensor itself should be good. Uh, so hopefully soon that will be resolved. At least when we tested, it wasn't sure. as good as the Logitech. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's, uh, yeah, don't mean to put you on the spot there. It, in my limited, in my limited testing, it did seem like the software maybe needed some time to catch up, but I, compared to the previous Pi camera, I was, I was uh, flabbergasted by it. But yeah, um, I'm not comparing it to webcam or anything else either. I mean, yeah. I guess one also thing maybe I can point out with that one is that you kind of have to have the camera pretty far away because of the lenses that they supply. And you know, if we have something very close up, especially with the projects we have coming up, we just we we have to have something that has a wide angle and it can be close to the object. Like you don't have to put it like okay. a couple of feet away just to show show a robot. You know. Right, right. So yeah, it's, the uh, camera is attached to it. Yeah, you've got quite the niche niche application, I guess. Yeah, but there's a lot of interesting also Chinese cameras. The the problem is many people won't know about them. Like they have cameras with image stabilization, like optical image stabilization. It's just a tiny. Oh really? Web camera. Yeah, they they even have those. But and then also what Arducam is doing is pretty interesting. I don't know if you know about those cameras. They're kind of yeah. They like have a, like like a low. What was like a low, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Like a low end vision system, basically. Is that is that correct? Well, they have a bunch of different cameras. They have for Jetsons, for Raspies, for basically for everything. And they have USB cameras. They have, uh, what, what's the connection? CSI connection camera. So you just plug in like a Raspi camera. And like they at least claim that they are redoing their, like they're trying to improve the Raspi camera. So that's interesting. But it's it's a long journey. We have probably hundreds of cameras in our office that we tested. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, it's always so far the golden standard is still the so, Logitech, so Logitech C925E. Yes. 
I mean, I guess I guess they've been doing it for uh, for quite a while, so you'd think they'd. It's good to, yeah. good to know, I guess. So. Well, the, the this I guess the part that is not maybe nice about those now they're making newer ones which have more features, but those features because of uh, extra computing they cause more latency, which of course in our case is not optimal. Mm -hmm. Like they just released a new camera, it's it's great it has a lot of really cool features for maybe streaming, but for a surrogate game it maybe is not perfect. Sure, and uh, you say it's at uh, 200 milliseconds. I guess I don't I don't do a lot of gaming, but I mean it seems to me like if you're playing you know, a traditional computer game, that'd be a fairly poor, poor ping, right? But but for you, yeah, you're going so, through the camera, you're doing all this other processing, all of that you're doing in two tenths of a second, is that? Yeah, so, so when I say 200 uh, MS sub, I mean specifically on a 4G connection. So that's kind of where it's cool that it's not even on an Ethernet, but it's oh, on a 4G. Okay. Uh, if we're talking Ethernet connection, it goes lower. I mean, uh, we see if you're in the same region and you have a good connection to, like if you're in Europe and the game is in Europe and you have a good connection at home, like fiber optics, and if you look at the map that you don't have to go through many countries to get to our office, kind of, like there's a direct connection from UK, for example, to Finland, then you can get uh, 150, 140 even sometimes. So it's uh, for, uh, for a high-definition video, it's pretty amazing. Uh, so yeah, of course, if you're playing from US, uh, it might differ since you have to send a signal over the ocean, uh, but it takes just a couple of games to get used to. And it's pretty amazing how you play literally four or five games and you don't even notice the the slight increase in delay anymore. But you just, you kind of know, especially in the games where it's more predicting, where you can easily predict like racing. Sure. Well, it's, it's interesting how spoiled we are. It's like, Oh well, this high definition game that we're playing a real thing, you know, thousands of miles away, you know. Oh, but they can't give it to me in you know less than two tenths of a second. That's somehow, you know. Well, I I mean it's great. I mean consumers oh, are pushing us to do better and better tech tech as they have high demand. So just, I think it's pretty cool. It's just incredible. I mean it's just it's incredible that anybody would think this was possible. And then I guess just to be comparing it. Anyway, that, I'm kind just of constantly amazed at the kind of technology people are able to put out there, including yourselves, obviously. It's... Well, thank you. But it, it's always also like for me interesting because, you know, we often hear like teleoperation and as, as a term. And it's like, you know, in advanced use cases like, I don't know, driving a, a truck over America, you know, on a highway. And then usually it's an autonomous car and then somebody could through Internet connect to it and manage it or a NASA like a, a robot on, on Mars or something like things that were a rover like that. Uh, but, and, and you know, we always think of those things as like either complex or they will be not so well executed. So what we're trying to kind of achieve is that, hey, you can have the most basic hardware available on the market and then yet you can have that premium experience where things kind of happen instantly. Of course, like that's kind of the thing. We have a racing game. So of course, latency there matters quite a lot because it's like fast paced environment. You're literally playing a game where speed is the main thing but if you're having a robot just like exploratory robot going around you don't even notice the latency because it's so minimal it feels like instant same with like a game like claw machine but the reason we do ourselves games like a, like a pinball game or like a racing game or like an esports style game is because that's where the latency matters the most we're pushing kind of the limits of what can we achieve technologically right. with uh, video streaming yeah that's amazing but i guess you know, you guys are obviously at the high end of this, but if, you know, let's just say somebody at home wanted to try something 
similar to themselves. I mean, certainly they're not going to be competing with you, but you know, how would you actually get started with that? Can you, can you buy one of your, your hats? Or is that so kind of a... uh, we don't currently sell the hats, but we are planning to do that closer to maybe mid end autumn, or at least we will be sharing the first design. But for example, for anything, for many of these use cases, you can just buy also off market. There are some raspy hats that have motor controllers. For example, if you want to connect an RC car, a pinball project, you can also use a relay board on many of the pinball machines that there are. So you can also use that. Uh, but the best, uh, my suggestion is to wait for maybe a month or two or maybe three, because in autumn we are going to announce and give access to anybody to be able to create these type of games on our website. So really, that's, we will have. That's so exciting. That's that's sounds awesome. Yeah. So if you have a robot you you want to connect online, if you have an RC car you want to drive over the internet or whatever else you have, just wait a little bit because uh, a lot of exciting stuff is going to come. Sure. This well, autumn. I was going to ask you know, how somebody could get involved, but I guess I guess probably your answer would be just wait just a tiny bit and then you can just yeah. the world if, is, if is someone yours. is like really like really wants to do something and they just cannot wait uh, maybe dm me because we can potentially add you to our special program where we are working with oh, some nice. people early on but well, how does how does how do I... get a hold of you um uh, you should join our discord community and okay. you can find me there okay. yeah we have more than 1.4 thousand people i guess already who are real life players and fan of this whole new phenomenon of real life gaming so make sure to check it out nice where, where is that discord work work you, uh, you can go to discord.gg slash tv or you can uh, go to any of our social media profiles and you'll find the link there so the our main brand is surrogate tv so wherever you'll google surrogate tv you'll find us okay very cool and uh, i guess i guess let me just ask this are you guys hiring i mean if you guys really really like what you guys are doing is that Yes, we we are uh, always looking for some some new talent. Uh, of course, this is an exciting field, so we usually have a lot of applicants. But uh, feel free to check out our positions, and also if you just want to work on the future of real life gaming, you can also submit an open application. Uh, some of our, uh, for example, new hires. One of the guys, he is actually our, he was one of our active members in the community, and then he became a moderator, and then he was super proactive. So we actually offered him to join the team. So it's a interesting funnel where you have great people in the community itself. Oh, that's awesome. And you guys, I guess primarily you guys are in, in Finland, but I guess you have some people in the U.S. as well and probably. Uh, we have people all over the world. We have uh, one of our new hires is a designer and he lives in Japan. And then we have people in Russia, some developers, and then we all, well, the main office is here, but you, remote work is also possible. Nice, nice. So I, I guess one thing I try to, you know, try to kind of discuss with all the guests is what, uh, what have you been working on? I guess just talk about your progress, either at work or maybe, maybe at home, any, any cool projects you're, you're working on? Well, I, I think, you know, like our office is basically a ultimate playground where you can come up with anything and just do it, uh, especially robotics wise. We have everything for that. We also have a bunch of toys that we can potentially hook up. I don't know if you see on the camera, but on the side, I have a bunch of like ta RC tanks, uh, RC cars, so everything is hookable. So I just need time and will. Uh, but the most interesting project uh, last last week, we launched this uh, rover experience where we had a, we used a Sphero rover. I don't know if you know about those. It's like an educational bot. Right. And we connected a Raspberry Pi to it. Can, we connected a Raspberry Pi to it, uh, connected the camera, a 4G modem and kind of like Put it all in a nice way so you could see the bot and drive around the city 
and that was kind of the last project I was working on. It was pretty, because, you know, we never drove anything outside of our office. All of our games are built here inside or in another office. But going with a robot outside is a very interesting or unusual experience because you cannot even, like, realize, it's like, you know, you, you see a biker, you have to stop. You see a car, you have to stop. You have to follow the rules. Uh, we had some kids last time we went trying to kind of mess with the bot or like move it around so it's, <laughs> it's an interesting way of feeling you know when you're like you're like so small in this world and i don't know it was a funny pro it was an interesting project to kind of build it all together and i was leading it so that was a fun yeah. for me specifically yeah i'm sure that had to be pretty pretty crazy i guess um i guess the last project i put out there was um i made a uh, a desk organizer with uh, some 3d printed parts and stuff but that sounds that sounds quite trivial compared to, to yours. So, well, 3D printing can be trivial sometimes, especially when it should print correctly and something goes wrong, and then you do it again and something goes wrong again and again and again. So, yeah, 3D yeah. printing is not the easiest task. Yeah. So I guess um, you kind of asked it early, but where where where's the best way to find you guys? And I guess surrogate.tv, right? Is that? That's yes. So you can go to surrogate.tv and you can learn everything about us there. Uh, you can also follow us on social media everywhere, like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which is Surrogate TV. Uh, make sure to follow us now because we're giving out, we just opened our merch store. So we're giving out some giveaways uh, from our merch store. So if oh, you yeah. follow some of those posts and comment under them, you might get uh, swag of your choice. We are giving out free items of your choice from our store. Uh, yeah, so you so, have shirts and sweaters and uh, everything. We have mouse like pads, we have cups, we have beanies, we have everything. So if you're like in Florida, you might want like a, a shirt, but if you're in Finland, you might want a like a, a, a hoodie and a beanie. Yeah, hoodie and a beanie, of course. <laughs> and uh, and a mug for hot tea or hot, coffee. Hot tea or whatever, whatever you like to drink, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, well uh, Stan, thanks so much for for joining us today. Um, you know, like you it's said, you can find me here. at surrogate.tv. I'm Jeremy S. Cook. You can find me on social media, wherever that is, and. You know, if you got a comment, maybe you know what that connector is. You can email me at hi at jeremyscook.com or, or info at jeremyscook.com if, if you prefer something a little more formal. So, um, so yeah, thanks. Uh, anything else you got to say to the people? Or No, we got some cool projects coming up, so stay tuned. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, and uh, I guess we'll, we'll see you guys later. Bye.